This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast, a radio.com sports original. Welcome to Baldy's Breakdowns on radio.com. I'm Jason Lockenfora, as always, joined by the man, Brian Baldinger. If it's a Wednesday, we've got a new pod ready to drop for you, and we couldn't be more excited. We're just over two weeks away from the first NFL game of the season. So far, so good. Um, with all the COVID-related stuff in the preseason, and, and we can't wait to have um, a ton of actual football to talk about week in, week out. We're almost there. As always, be sure to follow us on Twitter at BaldyNFL and at Jason Lockheed for us. Subscribe, rate, and review Baldy's Breakdowns on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Uh, we've taken you guys through the AFC. We've taken you guys through the NFC and previewed all that. Today, we've, we've got to do a safety dance. Baldy, for better or for worse, the good, <laughs> yeah. with, the good with Buda Baker and his, uh, you know, record resetting, market resetting deal. The bad with Earl Thomas, and and then we've got a bunch of individual players to hit on to try to get you guys set for expectations for your fantasy draft. Um, but uh, Baldy, we we might as well start in Baltimore, uh, where I, I think it's fair to say the eyes of the NFL were watching closely with this Earl Thomas situation. Fifteen. Months after winning a, a bidding war, or maybe it was losing a bidding war, with Jerry Jones for the services of Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas is on the street, and the Ravens are moving forward with Deshaun Elliott, Baldy. Well, when I heard the news on Friday, Jason, I think I was on the air on Friday, the NFL Network, when I heard this story breaking in Baltimore, how there was an altercation in practice between Earl Thomas and Chuck Clark, punches were thrown, and John Harbaugh sent Earl Thomas home. And when I heard he sent mm -hmm. a player home that was in a fight, I've seen players, and I've been involved in my share of camp fights, seen camp fights over a long period of time. I've never seen anybody sent home, ever, Jason. Yeah. When I saw he got sent home, I said, red flags just went up. I said, this is a serious incident. This is more than somebody throwing a punch. This is far worse than that. And then when Earl Thomas was just flat out released by the Ravens on Sunday, I was just waiting for the aftermath. You wrote about it. You covered it really well in your article about it, Jason. And 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 I thought, wow, you know what? When you're 14 and two, and you win 12 in a row, and you know half the team goes to the Pro Bowl, I guess everything is okay. It's a great deodorant. Right. But you know that was last year, and everybody's moving on in Baltimore. What happened last year doesn't mean anything this year. Harbaugh knows that. But really, John had no choice. I mean, the player council came forward and said. Coach, this isn't working. He's not He's not fitting in here. Yeah. And you covered it really well, Jason, really chapter and verse. And that's the case. I, when the players speak out against a, about a player that is accomplished as Earl Thomas is for a decade now and has 
a great reputation, then the coach really has no choice but to what John Harbaugh did. And he, he basically just cleaned up the mess with one big sweep. And now the fight will be on about, you know, how much money Earl Thomas is going to get from the Ravens. Right. And, and, and Baldy, it'll be interesting to see spinning it forward what the market looks like for Earl Thomas. We're now a few days removed. Um, he hasn't taken any visits. There, there seems to be tepid at best interest in him. The teams that do their homework will find out this runs way deeper than him throwing a punch at, at you know Chuck Clark, maybe the most beloved guy in that locker room. Baldy, I find it telling. Um, you haven't seen Pete Carroll come out and make any sort of statements about you know somebody should grab Earl. Gus Bradley right worked with him. You don't hear a peep out of him. Dan Quinn, God knows he's been trying to fix the defense in Atlanta. He goes way back with him. He's he distanced himself from it quickly. I would say buyer beware at this point, Baldy. It seems like teams. I mean, you know, immediately, uh, you know, people love to try to connect dots, and you just did it with, you know, with a bunch of head coaches in this league right now and defensive coordinators and in Gus Bradley, and none of them have come out and just said, uh, boy, this guy's going to fix our defense or he's going to yeah. upgrade our defense. So somebody knows something. And then, you know, you know, obviously Richard Sherman came out, defended boys. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to see what's happened to a brother of mine like that. And Kyle Shanahan shut it down. He yeah. likes Jimmy Ward. He likes his safeties. I, you know, Jerry Jones has, has been lukewarm. He hasn't said no, but he hasn't exactly said, man, we, we wanted him. You know, two years ago, we wanted him last year, yeah. and he hasn't really just come out and written a check or talked about it. So I, I think that this thing is going to – they're going to wait. I think all these teams are wait and see yeah. just what the, the financials are um, because I, I, I don't think anybody's willing just to pick up the contract right now um, after they do the homework. No, and that's going to be interesting, and, and, and we'll we'll get to Buda Baker in a minute. But if you know Earl a little bit, I know Earl a little bit. Earl's sitting there now saying, all right, these guys cut me, but I'm still Earl bleeping Thomas. Buda Baker, who ain't done half of what I've done in this league, just got 15 a year. If you think you're going to get me now on a bargain, forget about it. They're trying to take that $10 million away from me? Uh-uh. You know, he's going to his agent saying, no, no, no I, I need to get, I need to get whole. And then if we win that grievance, we win that grievance. But I want to be whole this year. I think that's where the disconnect is. I could see him ending up in Dallas at some point, but I think Jerry will slow play it. And at some point, Earl Thomas is going to want the bird in the hand. I just don't know what you're getting in Earl Thomas. And especially that Dallas locker room, Baldy, where you've you got some dudes who are trying to walk the line now who have had trouble in the past. I, I don't know that bringing Earl into that group is, is going to be the best thing. Maybe from a fantasy football standpoint, Baldy, it makes sense. But from a human being, locker room, chemistry, kumbaya, um, role model standpoint, ooh, I don't know. Well, just think about what the Ravens are looking at. I mean, I, I like Deshaun Elliott, the presumptive uh, starter yeah. now for Earl Thomas. I mean, I like Deshaun Elliott coming out of Texas. Everybody told me he can flat out run. I've watched him play. The fact is he's played six games in two years. He's been an injury reserve both years. I mean, they're willing to take their shot after two injury reserve years with Deshaun Elliott and maybe the rookie Geno Stone. I mean, I, I don't know what he yeah. looks like right now. I mean, he's a seventh-round pick in Iowa. But they're willing to, to go that route right now, it, it, which, which looks like it could be a big void versus having him around. And I think teams are looking at that going, boy, if the Ravens can't make it work, if Seattle can't make it work. And those are two of the best football yes. cultures in the NFL. That's why they're in the playoffs almost every year. And so if those two places can't make it work, maybe, maybe there's a lot more to this than, 
just Earl being, you know, an iconoclastic type guy. Yeah, and and to, to put a button on the, the Baltimore aspect of it, I, I talked to Tony Jefferson, um, mm-hmm. a real student of the game, a guy who unfortunately you know got hurt last year and, and season-ending surgery. That's how Chuck took over. Yes, that's how Chuck, Chuck got the dot. And Tony yeah. said, look, I, I, Deshaun can – like Deshaun's coverage skills are legit, and Deshaun has a great stride, and Deshaun works hard. So everybody in that locker room is going to be invested now. You know, they, they – okay, we maybe ate $10 million to get rid of this guy – everyone's invested in Deshaun Elliott's development. And, and I'll say this too, Baldy, don't sleep on Jimmy Smith playing some free safety. And that's another element of the security blanket. Getting Jimmy Smith back one year, $3.5 million for a team in Super Bowl or bust mode, as much as we talk about Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf and putting the tag on Judon, that might end up, that bringing Jimmy Smith back like that might end up yeah. being the thing that saves the day, Baldy. You know, when I, when I look at Jimmy Smith, I go, that's a weak side linebacker. I mean, he's huge. And, you know, he's always, you know, when he's healthy, he can just flat out play. So it wouldn't surprise me just the way we saw, you know, Rob Woodson go to safety. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, um, you know, to see Jimmy Smith go to safety. I mean, he's just a smart guy, big, strong. I mean, I think he can still run really well. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence in what Wink Martindale does. And I think everybody in Baltimore does too. So they don't seem the least bit worried about it. They made a a, a, a firm decision and they're not looking back on it. Well, Baldy, at the other end of the safety spectrum is Buda Baker getting justifiably uh, rewarded with a, a contract worth about $15 million a year. We talked about the Cardinals in our NFC preview. You and I both higher on them than maybe the masses are. And you, you talked about Buda in the preview as someone you saw as a real emerging star in this league. Um, you got to reward your own, right? And, and they're trying to rebuild a different sort of team there and a different sort of culture under uh, Cliff Kingsbury. And, and uh, I think this was a real positive, another real positive step for that organization. Well, I did a film session with Buda Baker this year. And along with Kurt Warner, who lives in, in, you know, in the Arizona area. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't wait for Booty to come in. And when you see him, I mean, he's not a big guy. No. I mean, he, he might weigh 190 pounds. But for pound for pound, maybe maybe Tyron Matthew hits his hard or tackles as well. He led the NFL last year in solo tackles. He plays the game at a speed that is just a blur. In fact, that's what Kurt Warner called him, the blur. I called him. The Cobra. I mean, the guy strikes like a Cobra, and it doesn't matter. He's fearless. And he loves the game. The one thing that's bizarre about this contract, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. He doesn't have an interception in this league. Right. And you go, how is a guy the highest paid safety in the league? I mean, you're in Baltimore there, Jason. You saw Ed Reed. Nobody had more interceptions than Ed Reed. I mean, nobody took the ball away like that guy. And every time he got his hands on, he tried to score a touchdown. And he yes. scored a bunch of them. Yes. And so I always thought, guys that either go to the Hall of Fame, guys that are highest paid safeties, they find ways to take the ball away. And Buddha, that's a, that's a big step for him. I, I think he plays the game so fast and he wants to hit everything that moves right. that he just doesn't see the ball. He, he just sees the victim, you know? And so right. I, I don't know that that's going to change because I think that's the way that he plays. He, he plays full speed. But um, it was... It didn't surprise me. I mean, they didn't have to kind of give him this extension now. I mean, he's got two years left on his rookie deal. But, you know, teams are 
they want to lock up their players right now uh, and keep them for a long time and and make him a building block because he is a great kid. You want him on your team. He's a tremendous leader. Patrick Peterson, you know, you look at Byron Murphy. I mean, you can see that they they have allocated certain players to build this defense around. And it would be interesting with them because they've always kind of been shapeshifters with the the secondary, I mean, when they had Honey Badger and they had Tony Jefferson and they had Dayon Buchanan, you know what I mean? And they're still bringing other guys into the mix. I wonder if Patrick Peterson at some point, like we talked about with Jimmy Smith, ends up shifting more into sort of a full-time free safety and Buddha's the runaround guy, you know what I mean? The disruptor, um, you know, maybe it fits into a long-term vision as well because Patrick's a guy who I think um, would be the first to admit um, a, you never want to miss quarter of the season or whatever because you're suspended. And B, I don't know that he looked like Patrick Peterson last year. Well, he was suspended for the first six weeks, you know. So, uh, you know, anytime you miss almost the first half of the season, I, I think you're going to be a little rusty. I mean, it is a decade now of him lining up with some of the yeah. best receivers in the league. So uh, it's hard to maintain that level. We'll see. Vance Joseph is a good good coordinator. He's more than capable. They drafted Isaiah Simmons, uh, you know, out of Clemson with their first pick, and he played a lot of safety. Yep. In fact, he probably played more safety than any other position. He is kind of a positionless player, but it will be interesting to see. We won't get a chance, obviously, in, in any of these enduring preseason to see what anybody's going to show, uh, you know, until their opening game against the 49ers. So we'll, we'll kind of find out you know, how they, they, they rotate Isaiah Simmons and where they line him up because Jalen Thompson was their, was their other safety along with Buddha a year ago. So I think the safety position is pretty well covered in Arizona. Yeah, they, 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 got, they got a lot of pieces to play around with for sure. Well, speaking of playing around with pieces, uh, fantasy football season is pretty much, draft season is pretty much here. The, the season's almost here. Our super producer, Dylan Burns, um, has put together some names for us at various positions to kick around sort of over-unders. Like, well, I'll, I'll give us the player, um, the, the, the production from last year, and, and we'll, you know, quickly debate whether we think he's going to exceed that or fall back mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, justifiably so, we start, um, Dylan's got the, the, uh, but the best player in football. I mean, who are we kidding? Patrick Mahomes. Last year, Baldy, only 4,031 yards, only 26 touchdowns, and five interceptions. He obviously missed some time, was injured in, in games, um, missed a few games. Uh, that's a great season, you know. Was it what it was the year before? I, I mean, if he's healthy, he's he's pushing 50 touchdowns again, is he not? I mean, I, I think he exceeded these numbers um, easily if we play 16 games and, and if he's remotely healthy. He's the best player in football. And I think, you, you you know, you can gauge it a couple ways. I mean, he was been the league MVP, a runaway league MVP in 2018 in the, in, in the, the running this year, but then the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, you know, Lamar Hunt uh, has the Lombardi Trophy uh, for the second time. So yeah. the thing that, to me, separates him from every other player in this league is when he's on the field, I don't care if you're winning 24 nothing in the playoff game and your team is stinking the place up to the point where fans at Arrowhead were booing against the Houston yeah. Texans. There's Patrick Mahomes exhorting his team on the sideline going, we just need one. We just need one touchdown and we're going to be 
Like, down 24 nothing. there's no fear in that guy. Right. And the bigger problem is every team that faces him feels the same thing. We're yeah. never, we never right. have this game. Can't score enough. You, yeah. You, you know, 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter, seven minutes to go to third and 15. And, and where's San Francisco giving up a 45 yard play to Tyreek Hill? And that's the only spark they needed. Then it was just a runaway freight train. And so you can gauge this by stats, and that's stats say a lot sometimes, but really there's no lead that is safe with this guy. And that's always been the problem when you play Brady, the problem when you played Elway, is that the greats find a way. And that's who he is. In three short years, he's in that company of there's no lead that is safe, no game that we have locked away right now. This guy can can find a way to win. And that, to me, I mean, I know we're talking fantasy, so we, you know numbers are important. But look, if you if you look at this offense, Miko Hardman was just a rookie last year, yeah. and he was he had seven touchdowns as a rookie in an offense where everybody's fighting to see who can get the ball, including Sammy Watkins or Travis Kelsey and all this stuff. So, it, you know. The offense, and Andy Reid has come out and said that we need to be more explosive. And they took a big tumble from the year before in explosive plays. So I'm sure Andy is, and nobody designs plays like Andy Reid. When you got the speed of a track team, um, then you have to, and you have the arm of Patrick Mahomes, the ball is going to go down the field in big chunks. Yeah, I I think and look, they're going to run the ball, yada, yada, yada. They drafted a running back pretty high. But th- this kid throws for 5,000 yards if he's healthy. And um, he's good for a couple of, like, two and a half touchdowns a week. Dak Prescott, um, Dylan has up next for us. This is sort of an interesting case study here. Um, ton of yards last year, Baldy. 4,900. Um, I'd say a lot of that was because of the defense and chasing games and, and just, uh, I don't want to say garbage time, but maybe a little bit hollow. 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Uh, where, where are we on Dak Prescott? I, I don't know that he's pushing 5,000 yards again. Um, what do you think? Well, I think that, you know, Mike McCarthy, I, I really am a little bit scratching my head in Dallas period. Yeah. I mean, Ken yeah. Moore is, is left over as the offensive coordinator, but he was the offensive coordinator when they couldn't score, when they had to score, when right. games were in the balance right. against the Vikings down there you know, inside the 15-yard line, against the Patriots, against the Eagles, yeah. I mean, against the Jets. I mean, they couldn't score when they had to score. So, okay, Kellen Moore, you know, he's got this offense with this pre-stop motion and formations and all this stuff. And that throws for 10 yards, yet they're 8-8. Eight and eight, And they're bounced out of the playoffs. And so, you know, and then Mike McCarthy comes in, and he's been a play caller his whole life. Yeah. That's who he is. You know, you go back to San Francisco, New Orleans, Green Bay. He's been the play caller. The number one offensive football in 2011. Um, scored more points than anybody in the league. And Kellen Moore's going to call the – I'm really scratching my head about this. Yeah. I guess we'll have to start the season to kind of wait and see. But, yes, I think C.D. Lamb could be a dynamic player. But, Jason, in fact, hear people saying, well, we got three number one wide receivers. Well, that's not a good problem to have. Right. Because number one wide receiver, you got to call plays for them. You got to design plays, find ways to get the ball. You just made Amari Cooper the highest paid receiver in football, and I and I think CD Lamb is going to be fantastic from the start. Yeah. But just because you've got three players that people want to say are number one receivers, 
I don't, you need complimentary players is what you need. Yeah. And so, look, I think Dak will be fine. Um, you know, he lines up, he doesn't get hurt. He's yeah. a great leader. You, you like the, you like the person. I, I just got to see how sure. they make this thing work to win games. That's what it's about. Yeah, I, I don't know. As much as they added a receiver in the first round and everything else, I, I do kind of wonder if the offense oddly regresses a little bit in the passing game. And, and also, you know, you're also paying that running back all that money and, you know, he ain't going to be there forever. So that that's that that they will be an interesting case study. The third guy on Dylan's list here, I think I can speak for both of us that he, he is on an upward trajectory that maybe few players in this league are on. Kyler Murray last year, Baldy. Uh, 3,700 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I think he throws over 4,000 yards easy. I, I think he's in the 30s in his touchdown production, and he's working as hard as anybody to cut down on the interceptions a little bit. Hello, Kyle Murray. Um, you know, the, one an amazing stat last year. He, he started all 16. Uh, the offense went from the worst offense in the history of football practically to middle of the pack. I know Cliff Kings very well. He's a great designer of plays. You'll see some things in that offense that you just don't see. Um, you'll have five new plays up every week on the board for Kyler, which is great. He's got maybe the best tandem of pure pass receivers, pass catchers yeah. that we've ever yeah. seen in DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald. They simply don't drop the ball. Um, and, and they have a great catch radius, which is great for Kyler. Um, you know, the, the guy really didn't fumble the ball last year, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was a fumbled snap on a shotgun. You know, but he really didn't fumble the ball out of his hands the whole year. I mean, he takes care of the football. Um, you know, when he's not sure, he, he scrambles and he runs and nobody can catch him. Uh, I, I, think he'll, I, I think he'll surpass 4,000 yards easily. And I think, you know, 30 touchdowns is certainly uh, – he's certainly capable of doing that. Last guy on our QB list here, Baker Mayfield, Baldy. Um, last year, 3,827 yards, 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. Obviously, Kevin Stefanski's number one priority this year is to get him back to being a distributor, a facilitator, um, not as much of a risk taker. They have to cut down on the interceptions. That offense, the, so many variables, and I think they're going to run a lot, and I think they're going to run a lot with two backs. I think the yardage, Baldy, might not be that much different, but I think more touchdowns and fewer interceptions are, are – are, and, and, you know, he's got to be better in the red zone, special situations, but they're cleaning up his footwork. They're cleaning up his internal clock. I think they'll get him straightened out. I just think that Kevin Stefanski is going to want a lot of heavy personnel, and he's going to want to run it down your throat at times, even when you know he's trying to run it down your throat. Well, I mean, the two biggest acquisitions were offensive tackles, Jason. Yeah. You know, Jedrick Wells was a first-round pick at Alabama. He's a run, you know, he's a great run blocker. We'll see how he transfers. And picking up Jack Conklin from Tennessee was a smart yep. move. I mean, they fixed the offensive line. Now, I, I know Kevin Stefanski well, but back from his high school days at St. Joseph. I know his dad. Um, Baker Mayfield's going to be just fine. The, the receivers, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, none of them were healthy. They weren't healthy in August last year. Yeah. They both needed all-season surgeries. They needed the surgeries in August. They never got them, and so they were never healthy. This offense, I think it's going to be awesome. I, I mean, I, I look for these backs. I mean, Nick Chubb might lead the league in rushing. Yeah. The only reason why he won't is because Kareem Hunt's going to get carries. Right. But, you know, I mean, this they're going to be able to run the football. And Baker's play-action passes, the guy can, has always been able to throw a deep ball. 
Yeah. He always has. I mean, at Texas Tech, he could throw a deep ball. Um, he could throw it at, at Oklahoma. He did his first year when he set an NFL record for passing touchdowns for a rookie quarterback of 27. I think he gets back on his horse. Baker throws for over 4,000. The passing game flourishes with what Stefanski wants to do. Um, this guy has he's, – he's got some magic dust. And I think he's dying to prove everybody wrong. Um, that just think that he was, you know, that he's, he's, you know, he's like this self-absorbed kind of clown. He's not, yeah. he, he loves the game of football. I think Cleveland's going to be really good offensively. I don't know defensively right now, with, especially with yeah. what happened this week. All the injuries. With the injuries to Delpit and to Greedy Williams. But Green. I think offensively they're going to be very good. And I think Stefanski's going to be good for him. I think they just need um, a guy that just understands how to win in this league, I think. And I think discipline will be a big part of it. We're moving on to running backs, Baldy Derrick Henry. Um, boy, when you, when you run as many times as he did and you run as violently as he does, I, I always have a little bit of trepidation about what's on the other side of that. You mentioned the departure of Conklin. I'm not sure they're going to road grade up front. Maybe the way they have in other years, 1,540 yards last year, Baldy, and 16 TDs. He's a hell of a back. Personally, I smell a little bit of regression there, especially now that they're paying their quarterback, you know, $25 million a year. What do you think? I think he has another 1,500 in him. I mean, he led the league in touches last year with 303. Uh, and then he had a, a bunch more in the postseason. The reason why I say that is he's such an anomaly. We just haven't seen maybe Brandon Jacobs when he was with the Giants. With the body type that he has, and when he gets – in the open field, you simply can't get to his body. I mean, physically, he doesn't really take a beating. Um, you watch guys you know, like Darius Leonard in Indianapolis that sees him twice a year. He's a great yeah. linebacker, a great tackler. Yes. He physically can't get – when he puts a stiff arm out, you can't get to his armor right. to, to tackle him. I mean, he had so many breakaway runs like that. And really last year, it was kind of a head-scratcher, but for – the early part of the season, they rotated Derrick Henry. Yeah. You know, and, and, and like, I mean, you had Deion Lewis there or whatever, but like, there's no reason to rotate this guy. Like, he's, he should be your bread and butter. And sick if you want to take him out on third down and put a guy in there, right. maybe for a better pass catcher, uh, you might want to do that. But I, I see, I see another 1,500 yards in him. I, I don't think that Mike Vrabel is going to change the approach. Arthur Smith, the offense coordinator, is going to change the approach. Now, Tannehill will be a complimentary player like he was last year at a very, you know, 70% uh, completion percentage. I think he's going to be very effective. But I, I think Derek has a chance of another 1,500 yards. Interesting. Interesting. That would be something. Um, moving on to Alvin Kamara, not, you know, look, I don't know that he was ever, you're talking about guys who you, you don't know that they were ever really healthier themselves last year. Um, he, he comes to mind for me as much as you could say that about Odell. And Jarvis, last year, 757 yards, five TDs. Um, as everybody talks about Sean Payton wants to throw the ball, yeah, I mean, Sean Payton, really, if he could just beat you running the ball, he'd be totally content to do that. Alvin Kamara sees what Christian McCaffrey just got in in uh, you know in his extension. Joe Mixon might still get extended before the season starts. I think Alvin Kamara is healthy, um, super motivated. That's a team in Super Bowl or bust mode. I would buy low on Alvin Kamara right now, big time, to exceed last year's numbers. Oh, definitely. I mean, he was hurt last year and banged yeah. up. He missed time for the first time in his career. But, you know, when he's healthy, 
I mean, Sean Payton, he loves this guy. He, he loved him coming out of Tennessee. When everybody else passed in the first round, Sean Payton couldn't wait to grab him. You know, there's times when literally you line up Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas on the same side of the field, and it's just a two-man it's two man game. I mean, one of those two guys getting the ball. And sometimes Drew Brees doesn't look anywhere else. Yeah. Now, I know Emmanuel Sanders is there, but I've watched this offense for so long. And before the injuries this year, Jason, uh, to Alvin Kamara, he literally was averaging almost a touchdown a game, um, whether it's catching it or running it. I think he bounces back big time this year. I watched his workouts. His workouts are crazy. The balance that he has, he's like a cat on a marble table. You can't get him off his feet. So I, I think Alvin Kamara bounces back and has a huge season this year for New Orleans. A guy in Philadelphia who's already getting, and you, you probably saw it firsthand the other day when you were out there, who's getting sort of a lot of hype and is being looked at to be the man is Miles Sanders. Um, as someone who had him on his fantasy team last year, well, actually it was my son's team, but I drafted it for him. I would get a little frustrated when you'd see him, you know, kind of gash people between the twenties and then not get involved a whole lot uh, at times in the red zone. I think that's changing last year, 818 yards and three TDs as a rookie. Baldy, I, I think he goes way over that. What about you? Well, I got to see what the offensive line looks like. Lane Johnson is uh, is banged up right now. Uh, we'll see how long Jason Peters lasts at right guard. I, I applauded the move. They've got no depth whatsoever for the first time in Philadelphia on the offensive line. But you know, last year he you know, he he traded with uh, Jordan Howard, who's not there anymore. They really don't have a backup. Boston Scott is probably right. their number one backup. Who? Show some last year. I don't. I don't discredit Boston Scott, but this is Miles Sanders' team, and so I would say he's he's in that twelve hundred yard range this year. Uh, twelve hundred yards and twelve touchdowns is very capable for Miles Sanders. He showed home run hitting ability when he took that run in the third quarter against the Bills last year, yeah. sixty five yards against a great defense, and nobody laid a glove on him. He's got breakaway speed. You remember now, he, he backed up Saquon Barkley at Penn State and literally didn't play yeah. until his last year at Penn State. And then he broke out. So really, he played one year at Penn State, Jason, and really a half a year in Philadelphia. Right. You know, he's got a year and a half where people have really hit him. And we know running backs all have a certain amount of tackles in their body and a shelf life in their body. This guy's just getting started. Uh, I think Miles Sanders, now he, he didn't practice the other day. When I was there on Monday, um, he's been held out. He's been a little banged up. But I, I think he's got a minimum of 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns in him. The final guy Dylan has on the list here, these numbers are a little skewed because he was kind of <laughs> used one way in Miami and then, you know, he's picked up by the Cardinals on waivers and he becomes an absolutely sort of integral part to what Cliff Kingsbury's trying to do there. It's Kenyon Drake, 817 yards, ATDs. He stays in the desert as a free agent. Um, I, I think he could exceed that. Um, I don't I, look. I don't know that he's going to be a top five or top ten rusher, and we'll see what what tricks Cliff has in store. Um, but they obviously like this guy. They invested in him for a reason, and they think he's a perfect fit in what they do. Well, they traded for him at midseason, and literally, I, I think he got there on a Tuesday, and on Sunday he started against the 49ers, and he was he was great from the start. Uh, he was a perfect back for Cliff Kingsbury, who. You know, quietly wants to spread you out to run the ball down your throat, the way mm -hmm. Chip Kelly did, the way a lot of a lot of these college coaches or college thinking is. Spread you out, you know, have a quarterback that's a dual threat and run a lot of plays 
where we're trying to defend both Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake. He, he was a, a great fit. He catches the ball really, really well. Uh, he had 50 catches last year. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he's a dual threat. You can screen it to him. You can check it down to him. You do a lot of things. He was a great fit in Arizona. I mean, Cliff saw it, and he plugged him in right away, and he showed you why he's a good fit. I, I, I just think in that offense right now, um, he's he's the guy, and, and I think he's going to have good numbers. Moving on to wide receivers, Baldy, the first guy here, boy, I, I don't I don't know how you don't just say he, he put him down for at least last year's productions because. Um, it seems like he catches 15 balls every week. But Michael Thomas, I mean, since he came into the league, all he's done is produce. I mean, yes, these are gaudy numbers, 1,725 yards and 11 TDs. But I just kind of feel like that's that's who he is and that's who he'll be. And that's what he'll, he'll come away with that or something darn close to it. You know what's amazing about that? He caught 149 balls last year, Jason, which is the most in NFL history. Yeah. Broke the, set the NFL record. And, you know, you think about it, Teddy Bridgewater came in for five of those games. It wasn't like Drew lined up right. for 16 games. He, he, you know, he, and Teddy Bridgewater kind of had to figure him out. You know, he's first time throw, really throwing to him in a game, and he gets 149 balls. Now, he is a greedy son of a gun. He doesn't want to <laughs> share those catches with anybody. And now you bring in Emmanuel Sanders, who, you know, made an immediate impact as soon as he went to San Francisco. And so the ball's going to be spread around a little bit more this year. Um, the, the Saints offense will be dynamic again. It always is. Uh, but I, I just don't see 1,725 yards. I mean, that's just kind of. Gotcha. I, think, I, I mean, I think you could drop him down to 1,400 and he could still be really good in 115 or 120 catches. I just don't think you're going to see 149 catches from Michael Thomas this year. Guy who finally broke out last year and rewarded the the, the Dolphins' patient Devont, patience, Devontae Parker. Um, obviously, injuries are always sort of, you know, that's behind door number two there, and you're hoping he can keep the Wolves at bay when it, when it comes to availability. But you, you know he's got explosiveness. Sometimes it takes receivers a while to develop and for the light bulb to come on and for them to put it all together. Last year, Baldy, 1,200 yards, nine TDs. Um, the quarterback situation there at some point, I figure, too, was taken over. So um, what does that mean? Does, does he need you know, does, does Tua take his lumps a little bit at the start? And therefore, so do the receivers. I'm not sure. Um, but I think this guy will remain obviously a focal point in that offense down there. Um, and he'll have a chance to, to put up number one receiver type numbers there, I believe. You said it, Jason. He's the number one wide receiver. And it's interesting. I'll just give you a. It was sort of the story of the Dolphins. I mean, no team was worse in football in the first half of the season. They were 0-8. The second half of the season, you know, they went through the last five. They knocked the Patriots out of the number two seed. But I'll just tell you quickly, in the second week of the season, they played the New England Patriots. They got beat 43 to nothing. And the defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore, lined up on Devontae Parker in that game. And Devontae Parker didn't have a catch. They threw to him seven times. He didn't have a catch. In week 17, they played the same Patriots team that were fighting for a home playoff game in the number two seed. And in that game, the, Stephon Gilmore lined up on him again. And Devontae Parker beat Stephon Gilmore over and over again in that game. Had over 100 yards catching. Uh, the Dolphins won the game with 20 seconds left on a touchdown throw from Fitzpatrick to get to, uh, to Gesicki, the tight end. 
And you saw the development of Devontae Parker in that offense. And he went up against the league's best corner in many, 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 many situations. And he won. And Fitzpatrick trusts him. He, he, he might exceed 1,200 yards this year in nine touchdowns. You may see 13, 1,400 yards from him this year. The offensive line should be upgraded and maybe 12 touchdowns. I mean, he'll be up, he'll be up there amongst the league leaders this year. The final two guys uh, Dylan has here, I- I'm going to go ahead and lump them together because I'm guessing we're going to be simpatico on this one. DeAndre Hopkins last year, 1,165 yards, seven TDs. Odell Beckham, 1,035 yards, four TDs. Uh, one guy changed teams. Um, another guy uh, uh, stayed the same place, but a different. I mean, he's upgrading from Freddie Kitchens to uh, to, to, uh, Stefanski, as we talked about earlier in the show. Um, and he's also healthy now. I think both these dudes, I mean, I think both these dudes exceed where they were last year. And I think either one of these guys, if, if you told me they're in the top three or top five in receiving at the end of the year, especially Odell getting in the end zone more, I would be inclined to believe you. Well, I mean, look, Cliff Kingsbury is bringing his version of the air raid to the NFL. I mean, just think about it. Air raid with a guy that can really sling it, um, you know, and Kyle Murray, the rookie of the year. So, I mean, I just think it's a great fit, and that's why he's there. And they're going to line him, all, line him up all over, the f- all over the field. And the one thing that Deshaun Watson told me was whenever they needed a play, third and short, fourth yeah. down, red zone, I mean, the ball was going to DeAndre Hopkins. And if you've got Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald and Kenyon Drake and some of these guys, Keyshawn Johnson – a rookie last year. I mean, you, you can't double these guys. You can't, I don't think you can double DeAndre Hopkins the way teams did, you know, in Houston. And so he's going to get, you're going to give DeAndre Hopkins single coverage. The ball's coming to him. I think he exceeds 1,107, certainly the seven touchdowns. Yeah. I know that Beckham, look, he had, he had the hernia all year last year. He had the surgery after the season in Philadelphia. I think he's going to get his, his legs back. Although these injuries at some point do take their toll over the course of a season, yeah, over the course of a career, so I'll say that Odell definitely has more than four touchdowns this year. Yeah. I think he'll get closer to ten touchdowns, um, and I think Baker gets back. So I, I see him improving a great deal. Finishing with the tight ends, Baldy Darren Waller um, was one of the best stories in the NFL. A guy who put his life back together, put himself back together, and then finally. Um, the athleticism that had so intrigued and the size that had so intrigued the Ravens, you see it manifest itself for John Gruden um, out there in well Oakland at the time. Now Vegas, uh, 1,145 yards, three TDs. I feel like he's a guy who's making up for lost time. I feel like that quarterback there a lot of time wants to default to throwing it to a tight end or a back anyway. And, and I think, you know, this is someone who should get in the end zone more than three times given some of his matchup problems. Well, he had 90 catches last year, which is, you know, right there with Travis Kelsey for the most by yeah. tight end. Um, like, and, you know, they had Hunter Renfro, and that was really that was really all they had. Terrell Williams, you know, was brought there. Uh, and so you look at that and you go, man, you know, you go out there and you get Henry Ruggs. Uh, it's got to get better. they got to get the ball to the wide receivers more than what they did last year. I'll say this. I don't think Waller gets 90 catches. But I think he definitely gets more than three touchdowns. Right. They've got to be better in the red zone yes. than they were a year ago. They just have to. Yeah, they've got to find a way to feature him a little more. Jump balls, whatever. He's got to be more than three TDs. Um, 
Zach Ertz, super productive guy, uh, super reliable guy, uh, 916 yards last year, six TDs. Um, you know, somebody who, who very simpatico with, with Carson. Um, if, if Carson's playing every week, uh, I don't know. I, I think he could do a little better than last year. What do you think? I think it's about what I would expect. I mean, that ball's going to get spread around this year. I mean, last year, Deshaun Jackson got hurt in the second game. Right. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey was out. Nothing. Uh, the receivers, you know, they were throwing to guys off the street at the end of the year. Uh, although uh, they're kind of there they're, now again, though, Baldy. The receivers could be thin again, though. No, yeah, well, I mean, I think Jalen Rager's looked really good, really good in training camp. He's had an excellent camp. He, he's in good shape. He's running really good routes. He's beating, he, you know, he's beating Darius Slay on Monday, you know, down the field. Uh, I, I think that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is going to take a big jump this year. I think they're very happy with what Greg Ward is doing in the slot. Now, I think the ball is going to get spread around. And, and you can't discount um, what Dallas Goddard is. I mean, he is a great red zone threat, too. He's a very good tight end. I think what you saw from Zach is kind of what you're going to get. Uh, last year. I mean, you maybe get around a thousand yards. Six touchdowns would be what I think you should expect. Last year, Austin Hooper parlayed um, a big season in, in Atlanta where he would look, look, Matt Ryan was going to be throwing to him a lot and they threw the ball a lot because they were getting blown out in a lot of games. At the time, he signs a record contract uh, for a tight end uh, with Cleveland. Obviously, guys have jumped out with contract extensions since. Um, this one's interesting to me, Baldy, because Njoku's still there and Njoku's mm-hmm. playing for a contract. And Njoku, if you can focus and catch the ball, all the other stuff is there. Um, there's a whole lot of weapons in Cleveland. They're going to run the ball a ton. Austin Hooper last year, 787 yards, 60 E's. I don't know. To me, my gut instinct is I don't know that he's a lock for that again, even though they paid him in free agency. I agree with you. Um, you know, they drafted Harrison Bryant. Um, you know, out of Florida Atlantic, who's athletic, <clears throat> athletic tight end. Farrell Brown is is still there. He's their blocking tight end. I mean, you don't want Austin Hooper blocking. You want him uh, as far away from the point of attack as you can get. He's just, that's not who he is. That's not what they asked him to do in Atlanta. And so I don't believe that Stepanski will ask him, although there'll be in a lot of two tight end sets and on occasion three tight end sets. So I don't, you know, I just don't see... Austin Hooper really improving the numbers a great deal because Njoku, if he's healthy, is, you know, I don't know that he's even better than Njoku if he's healthy, to be honest no, with you. Right. He's a good receiver, and that's what he is. And so that's what I think you're going to see. And then finally, last guy on uh, Dylan's list here, Mike Gasecki. I, I don't know. He He's a guy who just hasn't really popped for me. Um, I know he came in with some high expectations and they have had instability at the quarterback position. And that certainly plays a part 570 yards, five TDs last year. I don't know for me, just in general, Baldy in a time when there's move tight ends all over the place and guys get thrown to a ton at that position. He's not somebody who would greatly excite me in a fantasy draft, but where are you on him? Uh, I think about where he was last year. I mean, he's still there go-to tight end. Uh, we'll see how long Ryan Fitzpatrick survives at quarterback. We yeah. feel like he's going to start. I think he should start. Uh, but, you know, we, we realize that they drafted Tua, uh, you know, with the fifth pick in order to upgrade that position. Although Fitzpatrick played really well down the stretch there last year. So, 
I think it's, if Fitzpatrick's there, Gasicki will have similar numbers. But if Tua comes in, I don't I don't know where he's going to go with yeah. the ball. I don't know who he's going to lean on. I think Preston Williams is a guy that is a college free agent that you know can be ex- looks exciting at times if he can stay healthy. He's he's had issues at Colorado State, um, which made him a college free agent. Uh, but Al, you know Albert Wilson isn't coming back. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean this offense yeah. it doesn't look dynamic to me. I, no. I don't know how much more that Kiesicki can give you. Yeah, he's, he's not a guy who would be wetting my whistle on the fantasy draft. Well, as always, I learned a ton. I'm sure all of our listeners learned a ton. And hopefully uh, we made you a, a, a little bit smarter and helped you out a little bit in your fantasy drafts if these players were on your radar. Uh, we will certainly be back next week. And, man, we'll, we'll be darn close to the start of the regular season then. Uh, again, touching on news, notes, storylines. Um whatever sort of is catching our attention in the NFL at the time. As always, be sure to follow us on Twitter at BaldyNFL and at Jason Lockin4. And please subscribe, rate, and review Baldy's Breakdown on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Baldy, I'm already looking forward to talking to you next Wednesday, brother. Safe travels. And, uh, Likewise, Jason. Likewise. I hope you get we'll, down to we'll Baldy for training this week. Kind of check out those Ravens. Minus Earl Thomas and we uh, we keep ramping this thing up to uh, September 10th when we kick this thing off in, in Kansas City. I'm looking forward to it, Jason.